How's it going, Will? It's good, Nathan. I'm excited to talk some Snapchat today. Yeah. All Snapchat, all day. <laughs> or for at least 45 minutes. For that long, at least. Um, yeah. So we have, uh, we have two interesting bits of Snapchat-related news uh, that we want to discuss today. The first is um, they're changing the way that they pay media companies that create stories for Snapchat Discover. Um, so that's the section if you swipe all the way to the right, and it's kind of like almost like magazine type stuff or news type stuff. Uh, they, they've changed the way that they pay people. Um, and it's really interesting. And the second thing is they are doing a documentary series, um, or at least one documentary, uh, in Snapchat. And so I think both of these are like interesting kind of indicators of the role that Snapchat wants to play in, in media and like how they're sort of not trying to be just a communication tool between individuals, uh, but but be something that media companies uh, use as well. So I think it's fascinating. Yeah, definitely interesting. So yeah, let's let's dive into the first part. Uh, Snapchat renegotiating publisher agreements. Yeah. So in a nutshell, um, it used to be that if you're a publisher and you're making snuff for Snapchat Discover. Um, you can sell your own ads into there. Snapchat might also sell some of its ads um, and put them in. And your ad sales teams are kind of competing with each other. Um, you as a publisher only make money when people view your con- view an ad that's in your content. Um, and so it, you're, the sort of what you make is very directly linked to your ability to get people to click <laughs> on the thing um, that you've made, which you know, leads to clickbait. It also leads to, one could argue, quality, but I think there's, there's a tension there. Um, and it's also on your ability to, to sell ads, so to find the brands that want to yes. advertise on your channel as well. Exactly. You have to be good at not only uh, creating content, but selling brands on, you know, bundling some of their content with your content because users right. are looking at it. Yeah, so, um, so that was the old system. The new system, it's almost like Snapchat hired these media companies just as contractors where they pay them a flat rate with maybe a little bit of upside for uh, content views that they get or ad impressions that their content generates. But um, the portion of their sort of compensation, if you will, that comes from just a flat fee versus maybe we'll call it a bonus. That's like uh, what you, the performance-related pay, so to speak, uh, right. is you, you way more just like, most of it is you're just getting paid a flat rate to make content. Um, so I think it's interesting because I think there's a there's an interesting conversation to be had about the way that the way you get paid changes the kind of content you're incentivized to make. I think that's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to look at this compared to other types of media businesses too. I mean, this is what Netflix does. They pay people to make shows like Stranger Things, or that you know, Stranger Things doesn't have to sell ads. <laughs> like, what if right. the company and, and that made, also, yeah, well, and and Stranger Things uh, was actually one hundred percent done by Netflix. So, um, but you could use like almost any other TV show. I think like, well, I think Stranger there's a Stranger company, Things there's and, a production company that made Stranger Things. I mean, Netflix pays these production companies that are like that's true. Like, you know, that's in the, true. Right. Movie theaters, like, you see the, like, pre-roll credits, and there's, like, these, like, sort of, I don't know. I'm trying to think of one, but, right like, you see these, like, weird little logos and stuff, and you're like, what is this? It's the production company. Those are the actual people that made the movie. 
And a studio, a movie studio might be a really big production company, but there's also smaller ones and there's, you know, different things, different people do different things. Um, but yeah, so Netflix pays other companies to do right. the stuff. It's just that they are the owner of the IP. So mm-hmm. if Stranger Things wanted to sell a shirt, like, you know, Netflix would probably have something That's to say Netflix. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Disney. Disney's whole business is the IP of like Aladdin and the Beauty and the Beast and all that. And then mm-hmm. just use that in a million different ways to make toys and theme parks and movies. sequels. And they very and aggressively make sure no one else is using it. They do. Because <laughs> that's their whole yeah. business. Yeah. 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 And so it's interesting because I guess Snapchat does not want to own any of the IP of the content. They're just, they're almost like licensing it from the media companies. They're saying, create this yeah. stuff. Um, that we can display that will get a bunch of users to keep coming back, which I have a huge gripe. We should actually talk about that on this episode some. I have a huge gripe with with Snapchat Discover in terms of just the user experience and the format. But we um, should talk about that. I yeah. think that's important for for both pieces of news. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but um, but but so Snapchat's you know saying okay, media company, uh, you have the ability to write cool stuff or make cool videos, uh, so you can own the content that you make, I think. It'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't know, you know, do you know? That's if true. They... I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I know, you know, they are, they're paying them a flat licensing fee now. Yeah. Um. So, I, you know, it, it would really, it probably, it might even vary from agreement to agreement. Interesting. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. One of the, I mean, one of the other interesting things to point out about this is just how different it is from Facebook. Like, could you imagine Facebook doing something like this? Well, yeah, I mean, it. it they definitely couldn't do it for like everyone. They've they've done it in a very limited fashion and slightly different in that they have paid people to do Facebook Live stuff, like that they paid true. celebrities to to come on and do Facebook Live to kind of get engagement with that up. Um, but yeah, it, it wouldn't work in terms of just like. Um, or it, I, I don't think it will work as well if they were like, okay, publishers, like uh, use from instant now articles on, or whatever. Yeah, from now on, we're just going to pay you to do instant articles, um, and you're not going to get ad revenue. Um, it just doesn't make as much sense given the nature of their platform. I mean, with with Snapchat, you have a, a very limited number of people with Discover channels, um, whereas with the way Facebook works right now, anyone can really publish instant articles. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because I think uh, Facebook is really insistent about how they are just a technology company, and right. they don't want to have any part in sort of like editorial decisions. Like as long as you're doing stuff that's within bounds of like ethical speech, you know, like you can't post like porn, which is not necessarily unethical, but is like you know they don't want another platform, and then right. you can't post uh, like really graphic. Images, unless somehow, and it's funny because this is where it gets so fuzzy. It's like you know, well, unless it's like a war photo that's really important, like you know, or like right, yeah, they have with, the controversy over the Vietnam photo, right? Or like of uh, they took down the video of Philando Castile, the guy who the the mm-hmm. the black guy who got shot in Minnesota by a cop, right. and it's like it was literally recorded on Facebook Live, and Facebook took it down because it was graphic, and mm-hmm. you know. There is probably some either low-level employee or automated system that took it down, and then it took a couple hours for Facebook to put it back up. And you right. know, it just it shows that it's like if your business is to sort of put content in front of an audience and allow a person to put their content in front of audience, like 
you've got to be on some level a media company. Um, yeah. And I think probably I, I, Facebook's one of their biggest problems is like not accepting the reality of what they are. And yes, they're a tech company, but they are also a media company. <laughs> and like, you know, like there was some, I saw an interesting post about someone said they should hire like a public editor. Right. Well, well and there was even the, I, I think it was Buzzfeed that did an article this week talking about like, um, some of the, the uh, publishers on Facebook uh, doing like political stuff and how inaccurate the vast majority of of um, you some, some of the polarizing political content is and you know the effect that that's having and yeah, yeah I don't know at, at some point I think it's uh, bordering on irresponsible for Facebook to not uh, kind of like accept the reality of <laughs> of uh, of you know what what they're uh, what their technology does does to people, and what it provides them, and how people are using it, and I do think they're going to have to take take a little more responsibility, um, even though they don't want to. Totally. Well, and it's interesting because, like, to bring it back to Snapchat, like, Snapchat has a curated section of media. They're like they are a publisher, mm-hmm. and they know they are. They want to be a media company, um, right? Well, except when they say that they're a camera company. <laughs> yeah, uh. that's that's another interesting point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's interesting because like, I think, um, I, I, there's not a lot that's happened on Snapchat that like is an important, like everyone's looking moment. Like, you know, Twitter had like the Arab spring, you know, Facebook live videos are are being used to show like police brutality. There's a lot of like sort of really socially important moments that are, that are happening there. And one has to assume that that kind of stuff might start to happen on Snapchat. But it's interesting because how many people have Snapchat that don't have Facebook? And why would you, if there's a socially important thing happening, use the thing that's going to disappear in a day? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, you sure, you can save it to your memories or whatever now. But, like, you know, there's that's not, like, how people think about Snapchat. Whereas Facebook Live persists. Uh, and so maybe, maybe Snapchat will be the first really huge uh, consumer Internet platform that doesn't have a ton of those types of issues of like, you know, for good and for bad, like the responsibility that comes with being like a tool for social or political justice, you know, like maybe Snapchat will always just be kind of just fun stuff, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, and it is interesting because if you look at the discover channels, um, you know, if you go to the, the discover section right now, like there's a really interesting kind of weird inconsistent combination of stuff where it's kind of like just fun, you know, entertaining content. And then you have like a whole story about the battle of Mosul, which is going on right now. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And when you watch the story of that, it's, it's a pretty, it's, I I found it pretty compelling. I just, I think Snapchat discover is so bad on so many levels. I just really do. And maybe this will, this change in the way that they pay people will be a first step of it not being so bad. But like yeah, so how how do you think this change could could help it improve? Like what like what um is it is it content wise that that you don't like it or yeah um, I mean yeah so as a um I'll start with this just like as a user of Snapchat and I don't use it that much I'm not like in their core probably demographic I'm probably on the border of their core demographic you know mm-hmm. but like I can empathize and I sort of think I, I have some understanding of people who do use it a lot you know I've talked to like my cousins, all that kind of stuff, younger people who are, um, who are on it a lot more than I am. And Mm -hmm. 
my feeling is the thing that got Snapchat their audience, which right now, I think you said earlier it was like 41% of all what age group in the U.S.? Um, 18 to 34-year-olds in the U.S., yes. 41% on average in the U.S. are using Snapchat or are being reached by Snapchat each day, according day. To, Niel- to Nielsen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, what percentage of those people care about what's in Discover? <laughs> Probably very few. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that people use Snapchat is it's a way to sort of relive experiences that your friends or celebrities or people you kind of know are having and to sort of be there with them uh, in some way and um, sort of be in their shoes almost. And it's it's like an experience that you have. And that's why I think the stories format is so good of just like full screen vertical video like it's it just it does feel very immersive and i think there's you know good reason why instagram copied it is cuz it really is better like if you if you're using instagram and you're like scrolling through a bunch of little squares and then you tap and you get this nice full screen thing that's got like a lot more video than just a still thing like it just does feel way more immersive um right and so you know who knows whether stories will work in instagram as well as they're working in snapchat you know there's a lot of baggage there but I, I say all this to say that, like, when you go into Discover, it's, like, there's just articles and, like, walls of text and, like, you know, maybe sometimes videos, but the videos are not even done in a way that's congruent with the rest of Snapchat. Like, what I think Snapchat Discover honestly should just really be is recommended accounts that you follow that are, like, media companies that are creating content in the same format, the same stories format as everything else in Snapchat. And you can do it in really professional ways, but like it should use the same underlying mechanics because like right. I don't know if anybody wants to read like 800 words about Mazel with like a couple photos from The Economist next to you know snaps from your friends right. and from well, well, you know and who is that guy the, the, that that uh, major key <laughs> what's his name DJ Khaled DJ Khaled that's yeah that shows how in touch I yeah. am with, with with the youth yeah. these days. <laughs> Well, so the interesting thing about that is, um, you know, the the Battle of Mosul thing that's in there right now in the Discover section is actually a story. So it's not the same Discover format. And um, it was much more compelling to me than, like, if it had been from, uh, you know, in, like, the Economist yeah. Discover channel. And it was like, you know, s- swipe up to read 800 words about this. It was like, you know, it was from people who are involved with the battle um, Snapchat story. That's interesting. Yeah, it was a Snapchat story. And that's, that's, that is the most compelling type of content, but here's, here's where them renegotiating, renegotiating these agreements comes in. Um, you know, if they can start paying, uh, and not if they can, they're going to once, once they start paying media companies directly, um, you know, I think the hope is those publishers now can just focus 100% on creating content for Snapchat. They're not having to go out and, and sell ads. They don't have to worry about that. Um, they're just incentivized to create content that people are going to want to watch and consume. That's really the only objective they have. So, yeah, you know, theoretically, one of the things that could happen is the content could get a lot better. Um, and so, you know, I would I would think, you know, Snapchat... That would be one reason they want to do it, but also this gives them total control over uh, selling ads and sort of the ad experience. I mean, you know, so, so if uh, rather than having these individual brands going out and trying to convince uh, 
uh, or individual publishers going out and trying to convince brands to advertise on their channel. Snapchat now has all of the channels at their disposal and they can really mix and match with brands. You know, they can find out what product will do best on which channel and they can really maximize the effectiveness of that. Um, so, so to me, I think this is a step in the right direction and hopefully it, it makes, uh, it improves the quality of the content, but, but I do agree with you. The, the story format is so much more compelling to me, uh, and I would guess to users than the format that most discover channels do. Totally. Well, and maybe, maybe an interesting, you know, ramification of media companies just getting paid is Snapchat can say, okay, like we've kind of weaned you in on this by letting you create content in a format that you're more familiar with, but now it's time for you to start creating uh, in this format at least like once a week, or else, you know, or else, basically. <laughs> uh, and um, and and you know, I really think that that would be better. I think there's probably a reluctance from media companies to like learn new formats sometimes, but there's also a great enthusiasm. It's like there's a lot of uh, potential in it, and and I think mostly, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the people in media that I've talked to about Hardbound are like excited to try new things, and you just need to be able to sort of justify it, and um, right. Snapchat could justify it, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if I was a product manager at Snapchat working on Discover, uh, the first thing I would do is experiment with trying to get publishers to create content in a format that's like doesn't. It's not just like copy and paste stuff from the way that media works on the web, because like I think what you just talked about with like the the Battle of Mazel, like being in an actual native like story format and that working mm-hmm. so well, it's like it proves that the format's not just about like check out this cool party I'm at or like OMG this brunch is delicious. Like it could also be <laughs> about really important things that are going on and it just it gives you a I think at its core what it is is it gives you a window into a place that you're not currently at and it makes you feel like you're there in a way that is more high fidelity than anything else that you can achieve on a phone like the only thing that could feel more high fidelity probably is uh like a VR type thing and and I think part of the reason it's like that is because I think, uh, you know, the, the vast, vast majority of users, the way they're first introduced to that format is through messaging with friends. Um, and so it, it has this highly personal feel to it. Uh, and then when you take that and you, you, uh, you put something uh, more well-produced or, or more serious subject matter like that, and it's in that same context that you're used to having a conversation with friends, um, I think that makes it much more immersive and... Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting how those can play off of each other and enhance one another. And what's interesting too is like I think brands know this and maybe figured it out before media companies and Snapchat have. I would be really interested. I don't think that the people that work there are. Oh, let me finish my thought about brands. Sorry. Um, yeah. Because their ads <laughs> on Snapchat look like snaps, and for the first like two seconds of it, you're like, "Is this an ad or is oh it's an ad? Yeah, it's an ad." But it looks like someone's just like recording a snap of their friends. But then you realize like it looks a little bit too good. Like, this wasn't mm-hmm. filmed on an iPhone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is an ad. Um, but, I mean, I think brands figure that out because that's that's what will get people to pay more attention if it's, like, native with the other stuff you're consuming. And I just, I really, I would be interested if anyone knows, if anyone here is listening and you have some knowledge about the situation, please tell me what's going on because I really don't get it because the stories format is so good. 
You could subscribe to a publisher the same way you follow your friends. Maybe they have a flag on their account that's like, this is a publisher, and so it shows up in somewhat of a special and different way. But like, the content format is great on Snapchat, and it's like the publisher content format just really sucks. And Snapchat is like clutched on this thing that has nothing to do with the thing that made them successful, and they're like trying to make it work, but it's like, you know, stop trying to make fetch work. <laughs> like, stop trying to make, <laughs> it's you not know what happen. I mean? Yeah. Like, it just does. it feels so... And, and I say this with great adoration for the core thing that Snapchat has done that has gotten them to where they are. And I just want them to like use that because I would prefer so much to consume content in that and also to open it up to a broader variety of publishers because they sort of, I think right now they have this sort of curated vibe where it's like, okay, only certain publishers can get access to Discover. And it ends up being like this mass media, like lowest common denominator stuff that's like, you know, it's like, it reminds me of Times Square, <laughs> like, or it reminds me of like the stuff you see at the checkout aisle at Target, like the magazines and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the internet is a beautiful place because it's weird. And like, it's the weird stuff that people like. And like, you should let the weirdness float to the top and um, provide more discovery mechanisms for people that are creating really great stuff and like have it be a little bit more open. And I think that's been the power of. Of, of almost all of these networks is like the people who you expect to be the best at it end up actually not being the best usually. And the people who you didn't expect and like you'd never heard of before this platform end up being the ones that are like amazing. Like that's what happened like with DJ YouTube. Khaled. Like DJ Khaled. Or like, I mean, that's what's yeah. happened with YouTube. Like that's what happened mm-hmm. with Facebook. All these pages that are like racking up millions and millions of views. Like they're not, it's not Time Inc. It's not Condé Nast. Like it's, it's people you've never heard of that are creating political memes that may or may not be true. You know, like that's that's sort of how these things work. And I don't know. I think it would be interesting for them to uh, uh, try and go more native on their own platform with Discover and integrate yeah. it into one coherent whole. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see what effect this has on content. Um, and and on that note, I think it might be nice to. Uh, to segue into our, our second thing to talk about, because I think there's some overlapping things here. Yeah, totally. Um, the documentaries. So, uh, yeah, basically what's happening is uh, there's PBS has a documentary series called POV, um, and they are going to produce uh, what are being described as two short interactive films for distribution on Snapchat. Uh, and they're, they're being described as documentaries. They're going to be about six minutes long and, uh, they're going to be run on the now this channel, which is a a discover channel in Snapchat. Uh, and they're going to be available there for 24 hours only on two different days. I think one of them's like, actually one of them might be tomorrow. Uh, and one might be the next weekend. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Saturday, October 22nd. So I think one might be coming out the 23rd and one on the 30th or something like that. Yeah, we should get um, this episode out so that people can, uh, on the yeah. 23rd, if you're listening to this the day it came out on October 23rd, head on over to Snapchat. Tell them we sent Pull you. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, go to Discover, go to the Now This channel, um, and that's where uh, the first documentary is going to live for 24 hours. Yeah. So, I mean, it's clearly interesting and it's clearly linked, right, with the first story. It's like Mm -hmm. Snapchat's paying people to do cool stuff on their platform that they hope will build their brand and will build their audience and get people to keep coming back and and just know that cool things are happening on this platform. 
to me, the biggest question is, at what point does the 24-hour disappearing rule <laughs> become a hindrance? Uh, and is there any sort of content ever on Snapchat that may not disappear and maybe like more shareable publicly because like, you know, there's no way for me to like send it to you. Like if I watch that and I think it's cool, like I, all I can do is just tell you, like go to Snapchat, go to this thing. It's like, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of steps, you know, but like there's these beautiful things on the internet called links that I could, you know, (laughs) send you. And, and I, I don't think probably that Snapchat will ever do that, but it's really interesting to me because it's like, yeah, Instagram still hasn't. So, uh, no, Instagram Link, has Lincoln, links. Lincoln, Lincoln profile. I'm pretty sure you can you can link to a photo. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So you can link to a photo. I'm, I was thinking more of like people posting stuff and trying to drive traffic out of Instagram. Oh right. no, yeah. I'm not talking about driving traffic out right, of Snapchat. Right. I'm talking about driving traffic to Snapchat. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you can, I can copy and paste a link of an Instagram photo and send it to you on the web, and like. Right. I can, in Instagram, I think there's, like, a share action. And there's, like, native inside Instagram, and then there's also, I think you can get the link from the app. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a smart thing to do if you have, like, great content is, like, give people some way to uh, to share it. Yeah, there's a way to share. A copy share URL is what it says on yep. Instagram. So, anyway, I mean, it, at a certain point, it's, like, how, how do you convince creators to make something that's really good that they put a lot of effort into that's going to disappear in 24 hours. And like people, if they like it, have no real way of sharing it, <laughs> you know, like I think it's really cool that they're doing this. It's just interesting. Like, is it always going to be just kind of like these smaller tentative steps or are they going to go more fully into the direction of like bigger stuff, you know? Right. Well, and I guess I, I don't know how much they're paying for these to be produced, but, um, you know, I guess if if Snapchat is going to provide an amount of money that incentivizes you, even in, even knowing that this will only be available for 24 hours, um, then, you know, economically it can make sense, but, but creatively, I don't know how long you can get like, um, the best content producers to be excited about that. Yeah. Uh, although it does, you know, from the, the press that I've read about this, um, and I think it was an article in, in Variety that uh, talked about these documentaries. The people creating them se- seem to be excited about, um, you know, the format and creating stuff for it. Although I, it would probably be hard to get a quote from them saying they're, you know, <laughs> just like kind of excited about doing it, but not really, yeah. you know. Yeah, this seems all right, but uh, <laughs> Snapchat's paying a lot, so I guess I'll make yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, one. I think I think that you know the laws of PR dictate that. You have to be yeah. really excited. <laughs> one, one interesting thing, um, they they released a 30-second a trailer for both of these that you can watch. Um, and I was I was trying to get uh, a, a feel for, you know, they described them as two short interactive documentaries. And I was trying to get a feel for what's what what exactly interactive means, if that just means you can, like, tap to, to progress through stuff and, and that sort of thing. Um, but it looks like... Uh, judging from the trailer, it looks like the way these are shot is um, where they almost look like the story format. Um, yeah, it's like first like, person kind of. Right, and, and they even use like the uh, you know the white text with the um, you know dark bar behind it. Yeah, uh, over some of the things like kind of they I think they put like captions of what some of the 
people on camera are saying uh, in that format. Hmm. So, you know, maybe they are going with a, a more Snapchat story-esque format for these. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, to me, I think it makes so much sense. Like, that would be really cool if there was, like, it, but it was, like, actually on just a normal Snapchat account. And people are doing that. Like, I have a friend who, um, it's funny because, you know, I, I just knew her from a previous job at, you know, when I was working at General Assembly. And uh, I think she's she's sort of interested in, like, storytelling and, and filmmaking. And so she uses Snapchat to, like, create these, like, like when they call it a Snapchat story, like, hers really are a story. And she, like, writes oh, a, wow. yeah. I'm pretty sure she, like, writes a script and... Usually she'll, it's just her, but she'll get into sort of like two different costumes and there'll be like two different sort of characters talking to each other and, uh, she posts it and it's, it's, you know, they're kind of funny. It's like not totally, I don't think I'm totally in the target market for it, but they are cool. And it's like, people are doing that kind of stuff on Snapchat. Um, and I think Snapchat had like some sort of thing with Cannes Film Festival, um, for those people like who do that kind of stuff on Snapchat. Um, so maybe this is just sort of an extension of uh, organically evolved user behavior on the platform. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, I'm 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 interested to see like if people want to watch these in the context in which they're presented, because the you know like I said they're going to be on the the now this Discover channel. Um, they're not going to run any ads in the documentaries themselves. But the way the, the now this channel works is it's kind of like a daily news edition, yeah. you know, where there's a variety of stories and you tap through. Um, and as you're tapping through, you're presented with ads. And so um, these documentaries are going to both be presented about halfway through the regular now this discover edition. Hmm. Um, and like, you'll be presented with, I guess what you describe as almost like the, the cover of the documentary, yeah. I guess. Um, and you'll like either swipe up or down. I can't remember which one. Well, that's one, how Discover works. Watch, it's so confusing and bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just so down on Discover. It's so funny. I like, uh, yeah, you basically like there's the covers that you can kind of swipe through left to right and then or tap or whatever. And then if you want to read something based on the cover, you swipe down and it swipes you into either a video or like a scrolling text article. And so you know, it's being distributed in that format. So it's like swipe down into this sort of video. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking like, you know, if, if you kind of regularly look at the, now this discover channel, you know, are, are you going to want to stop in the middle of probably what you usually spend only a couple minutes doing to watch a six minute thing? Mm. Yeah. It's tricky. I feel like they would need to, they would they would need to create some sort of like I feel like it's weird that it's in the middle of it, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Like if you go to this story and like there's right. a bunch of other headlines and then in the middle of it is like this other thing that's probably three times as long as any of the other things in there. Like mm-hmm. and it's funny that in 2016 a documentary is six minutes long. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you know, I it's yeah, I think that's a tricky thing for them. And I think that's part of my, the reason why I think Discover is bad is not because uh, no one wants to read articles, although I certainly think attention is shifting away from just like a paragraphs of text. Um, and that's why I work on hardbound. Uh, but um, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, 
But uh, I do think that, like, if you're in a place where normally you're just, like, tapping through a bunch of photos and really short video clips, like, that are literally 10 seconds long, like, that sets a certain baseline rhythm. And when you throw something else into the mix that's so different from that rhythm, it's hard to sort of, like, uh, it just sort of throws you off a little bit. And it's, like, almost it's, like, not what you're there for. Like, the metaphor I yeah, think of sometimes is, like, I will sometimes go to Medium or, like, more often I go to Nuzzle. And I know I'm going to read some articles. So, like, mentally it's, like, almost like I'm prepared for that. And it's, like, I'm going to the gym or something because it's going to be, you know, I'm going to read some stuff. And then, you know... Snapchat's more like you're on the couch watching TV, and all of a sudden someone's like, okay, in order to watch this next program, you need to get up and like get on your treadmill and start jogging. It's like, uh. <laughs> it's just like you haven't shifts been your mind to into a different mental gear, and it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a harsh transition. Yeah. Yeah. That, my, I was originally imagining that these documentaries would just kind of take over that whole Discover channel for the day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not the, not the case. Not the case. Yeah, like, honestly, I think it would work really well if they put, like, if you swipe over into the Discover screen, you can see they have this nice grid where it's, like, stories. And, like, mm-hmm. if they just created a block in there that looked special and was, like, watch this documentary, like, that would be cool. <laughs> that, you know? And, it, like, you just tapped it and it showed you that one thing and you watched it for six minutes. Like, I feel like that would work. Right, yeah. And, and you know, I would imagine part of uh, the reason Snapchat wants to do this and the reason why these are only temporarily available on these particular days is like they they want people to have more of a habit around like specifically going to check discover every day yeah. uh, rather than just like going over there while you're waiting one of your for one of your friends to respond to your message you know yeah um and so i just think in this context of like having to go halfway through a a uh, a discover channel before you're even presented with the documentary. I don't know. It just seems I'm, I'm not, not hopeful about the audience that these are going to receive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be really interesting to know like what percentage of Snapchat's users like every day check Snapchat discover, like of the percentage of people who open Snapchat today, like a hundred percent open Snapchat. Okay. Uh, probably like, I'm guessing 100% probably consumed a story. Maybe like 99 or whatever, because, you know, law of large numbers, like not everyone. Maybe someone just, people just open the app and they like get, take a quick photo and post it, but they don't actually check the stories that day. Um, and then like, it's got to be like 5%, <laughs> you know, like use Snapchat Discover. Like, I don't know anyone who who talks about liking that. And I've talked to people about it because I kind of have a personal thing against it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's tough to know exactly what the usage is. I I did see a survey earlier, and I believe it's around, like, somewhere between 17 and 25% or something like that, that yeah. of users that use Discover daily. Um, and it, it was just, like, a survey of, like, you know, 1,100 selected people, I think. Um so yeah, it's tricky to know, but uh, I don't think it's overwhelmingly high yet. Um, well, seventeen to twenty is a lot more than I thought, based yeah. on you know just people I've talked to. I wonder. So that was a survey, though. That wasn't like data, like because people could accidentally no. swipe over into stuff, you know. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you really could, uh, especially in Snapchat, because like yeah. I don't know. I feel like I I accidentally discover 
ways of doing things in there all the time. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's just because I'm on the upper end of their age demographic. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Well, it's definitely like, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Snapchat evolves their media because it's clear that they want something that they don't have. What they have is amazing, which a lot of people want is mm -hmm. like hundreds of millions of young people creating content that is meant for their friends and consuming content from their friends and talking on their platform. And they're just completely addicted to it. And they do that all the time. And there are lots of brands and celebrities and media companies like creating stuff outside of discover. And I just think it would make so much sense to like sort of make that better for them and, and unify the experience. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they evolve discover. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just, I really, I don't feel like people are going to be reading a lot of articles in Snapchat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and you know, I think that's encouraging to me is that they're experimenting a lot. Um, they're, they're completely changing their, uh, the way they work with publishers. So, you know, I, I, obviously they're incentivized to figure this out because discover is, um, you know, where they make their ad money. Uh, totally. And so I, I think it's good that they're that they're doing experiments and stuff. And I really think, you know, the documentary thing is, I think, probably just dipping a toe in the water. Huh. Um, well, actually, what you just said is interesting because you said it's where they make their ad money. And I think that probably was the first place that they put ads. Now they put ads in between snaps in your stories, right? That's true. Well, um, in user stories? Yeah. So when you tap on a snap and it starts playing, they made that change where... It used to be you would have to tap on each person's profile to see their story individually. And now it's like it just goes directly to the next person. And so sometimes oh, right, right, in between right, right. people, it'll show you an ad. So they're, they're monetizing okay. kind of their main quote-unquote feed now. That's true. That's true. But that didn't come until after Snapchat Discover. So maybe the whole point of Snapchat to Discover was to create a zone where there was some attention. And you could test out ads and start working with brands and like kind of figure things out a little bit before you put it in the part that people actually use. Yeah, it could be. And also, like, it, it's hard for media companies to create in different formats. It's much easier for you to create in the same thing you've been doing, where you can somewhat copy and paste. And so video and text is like, all right, that's, we're, we're kind of fine. We can do that. So that might yeah. be another reason why it is the way it is. Uh, Certainly from a user perspective, it's not the best, but it'll be interesting to see. Maybe maybe there are purposes beyond making users satisfied and checking it all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are things that we don't know about. Yeah, but it's interesting to just, like, you know, try and, like, think about, like, what, what is really going on. Because, like, I don't assume that they're, like, anytime I critique something, I guess, on here, I'm more just, like, I don't get it. Like, I'm not, I don't assume that, I know more. You're not them. saying, hey, they're stupid. Right, exactly. They're certainly yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Um, no, I think that's good, though. I, I think, you know, when you read critiques of, of companies' decisions and stuff, I think a lot of times you get that vibe that the, the person critiquing it does think they're stupid. No, so, it's much more interesting to yeah. assume that they're smart. And Absolutely. either they're in some system where the framework of incentives that shapes their behavior warps it in some way that's, that's not smart and like if we're being honest with ourselves, we all exist within some sort of framework of incentives that warps our behavior. Um, 
or and just to learn about that is really interesting or to assume that they know something you know and to think about like well what could they know and sort of ponder it and it's like well maybe they know that it's going to be hard for them to directly put ads into the main place where most people pay attention and so maybe we could create another place where some people pay some attention but it's like you expect to see ads more it's easier for us to try stuff without and fail without it sort of being annoying and alienating our core users and so maybe it was a really elegant way to sort of pave the groundwork for ads in in real snapchat not like discover snapchat you know yeah absolutely I mean, is that kind of a conspiracy theory though <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think it's a conspiracy theory yeah. i mean i i think it makes sense based on the information that we have yeah yeah well I was, how often do you do you personally check Snapchat? Um, probably once a day, but it's almost really? always for for messages. Um, yeah, I have like a very small number of friends that I communicate with and send stupid stuff with. Um, my wife and I also send each other stupid stuff. So, so. but do you send snaps or like messages? Like, because they have like the text message. Both. Kind of. Oh, interesting. Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. I I check it uh, maybe once a week. <laughs> If that, I go through phases. Yeah. I used to check it a little bit more, and then I was like, "This is kind of boring." Like, I just don't. I'm not super into Instagram either. I don't like. I like Twitter, and I like Medium, and I like you know podcasts. I like kind of things where, uh, I'm learning something. I guess I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not as into just sort of like check out my beautiful life, and I think that's what like Instagram <laughs> and Snapchat are. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's my motivation for using it. No, to, I'm not. Sorry, I don't mean to accuse anyone of. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, maybe maybe I uh, need to goof around more <laughs> when I mess. Yeah, maybe with you people. should. Maybe you should lighten up. Yeah, I got no time for that. I'm trying to run a business here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a business to it run. Is, it is true, though. I think that. Um, I think just personally with my life, like lately in the past. I don't know. It's been a little while since starting this. It's been crazy. It's been it's been really crazy, and I do feel like it's changed sort of some of my patterns of internet behavior. Where, um, yeah, I sometimes I feel yeah I don't feel like I have as much time for stuff like that. Like if I'm, I'm just gonna start sending you really silly Snapchat messages yeah, every day. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It's funny too because like I think yeah like I think people send you the things that they think you would like. And so I'm not, I don't think I project the vibe that it's like, I should send this guy silly snaps. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And so I don't receive any, um, but I do receive a lot of like, uh, you know, tweets of people asking me to post their product to product hunt. <laughs> That's the vibe <laughs> that I put out in the world. Um, or to like read their blog post or whatever. And I'm very happy to do it. I love, I love all those things. And yeah, it's more, it's more of my thing. But it's funny. I guess this is a little bit of a, of a tangent, but I do. It was interesting um, yesterday when the whole internet broke, including Twitter, and just imagining <laughs> a world without Twitter and how, like, devastating that would be. Like, I've thought about this a lot. Like, I have so much invested in that. Like, it's where I, it's right. where I go. It's like, imagine if a city was demolished. Like, that's sort of how I feel. Like, or if a city, like, stagnated in a commute, like, the... The, the fiber of a community was like torn apart. Like I feel like that's sort of what would happen if Twitter became either gone or like a shadow of its former self. I don't right. know where people, I don't know where I would go. There, there would have to be some new thing that's a lot like Twitter, but it maybe has a different business model or something. I don't know, but yeah, Facebook I, certainly wouldn't do the trick and not, not, I don't think too much because of the, 
the format of like a status update and the way it works on Facebook versus Twitter. It's more just because of who's there and like the the network of like technically you can follow people on Facebook, but you know, like it just doesn't really Right. Yeah. It's meant for people you know, kind of personally. And that's the culture of using Facebook. Yeah, you, you don't really you don't often end up connecting with someone you you don't know already on Facebook, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean so it's interesting, just like tying it back to Snapchat too. It's like each of these platforms kind of develops its own culture. And I think there's a certain number of people in the world who just find that culture really appealing and that way of behaving, those patterns of interactions. And like Facebook has its own, Snapchat has its own, Instagram has its own, Twitter has its own. And maybe their growth rate is more a function of that than of like the competence of the management team, you know? Yeah, and maybe the reason why I don't like Discover is because it feels very discordant with the actual culture of Snapchat. Yeah, I and and Discover I think is still it's just such like a mishmash. It's yeah, it's it's um, I I don't think the content is unique enough to really demand that you come back. Oh so, no, it's you know, like maybe, the stuff ma- that's in the in the grocery store, like those magazines before you check out. Right, like, it's really like lowest common denominator stuff. <laughs> It's just, but, but maybe well, maybe that's why they're exper- experimenting with uh, with documentaries, which is very true. prestigious sounding. That's true. I'll certainly watch it now that we've talked about it for so long. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I can't not watch it now. And it's only six minutes. That's true. So. That's true. Cool. Well, um, I feel like we're kind of winding down. We should probably call it. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, uh, same time next week. Yep. All right. I will be here. Talk to you then. All right. Bye. Bye.